This is episode 169 of the Cut the Crap Show as part of the Resilience Prescription. Step into my circle with the opposite of Urkel when I pull up flying purple flat white. So good. Just love drinking calories. So good. But anyways, I'm excited to uh, get back here on YouTube. If you're listening on podcast, you can also watch this on YouTube. If you're listening to this and watching this on YouTube, you can catch it on podcast. All you got to do is search up my name, Ryan Caligiri. If you don't know how to spell that, the resilience prescription, probably your next best bet. All right. So uh, this episode, by the way, brought to you by Get Abstract. If you don't know what Get Abstract is, they're an awesome company and they're covering my butt because, oh, when was this? Maybe when I first started the podcast four years ago, five years ago. I don't know. That's just a number now. When I first started the podcast, I had so much time. It was a glorious time. It was a time when I had nothing but time on my hands and uh, I don't have that anymore. So I don't create mind maps anymore. I don't do it. So I had to find somebody who did. I could pay somebody to do it for me. I can find a company who does it for me already. And Get Abstract is that company. They have access to more than 20,000 different summaries. They have all the golden nuggets from there. So if you love listening to me, love listening to your boy, your boy, whatever. Who do you think I am, Ryan? Get out of here. If you love listening to this, then uh, if you want to go and get the golden nuggets from this afterwards, go to Get Abstract. But instead of going to getabstract.com, go to getab.li slash rrx. And what I'll do for you, what they'll do for you, what we figured out is a way to get you a three-day free trial so you can go on there, download all the summaries you want, go back over all the episodes of the Cut the Crap Show. Almost all the summaries are on that website. They do a tremendous job. They continually add new summaries. So again, go to getab.li slash rrx and get your three-day free trial. Sometimes I'll even have the summary of the book I'm covering off in this episode. I don't have it this time around, although the progress paradox, which we're covering off today, is on there as well. So if you want to get the golden nuggets for this episode, activate your three-day free trial and go ahead and grab that summary. All right, so as I already told you, we're covering off the progress paradox, how life gets better while people feel worse. That doesn't sound very good at all by Greg Easterbrook. I picked this book not because there's a whole bunch of golden nuggets from it, but it gives me an opportunity to have a discussion with all of you about something that's very, very important, which is this idea that we are not making it easy on ourselves to be happy. We're not. To be happy today, we're having a tough time. We are looking at everything that we have and saying, it's not enough. I want more. And you're always wanting more. We have no idea what it's like to appreciate what we have. For the first time in society, in our world, we have so much access to resources. Life is better. You know, we're healthier, stronger, living longer. And I know the pessimists out there are going to talk to me like, Ryan, did you know? Did you know that this is getting worse and this is getting worse and this is increasing? Listen, it's a lot of bad out there. I'm not putting my rosy colored sunglasses on. You know what I actually need? I do need a pair of rosy colored sunglasses. So I got to throw those bad boys on to make a joke whenever I'm talking positive. But there is a lot of good in our world today. And people today are living better lives than they did 50 years ago. Access to resources, freedoms, um, equality. All these things are improving. Your standard of living, how much money you make, it's all improving. 
And maybe for some of you, it's not improving. And maybe these are the people who need to listen to this. Because this comes down to being appreciative for what you have. And that's really what Greg, one of the things that Greg is trying to get across here is be appreciative for what you have. And in this book, he gives you a little bit of perspective to help you see that. So anyways, I'm boring myself here by talking a little bit about this. So I got to speed this up. Golden nugget number one. Let's crack into this bad boy. Golden nugget number one, perception is not necessarily reality. We're breaking right into this right now with what I was talking about. So golden nugget number one is all about looking at all the media, all the news, all the hype, and realizing that that's not reality. The media that we watch, that we take in all the time is very focused on the negative, the tragedies, the epidemics, a lot of people dying, a lot of misfortune happening around the world. That's what we see, that's what we hear, and that's what we believe. And that is not true. There's a couple good pieces in here. The average American and European lives longer today. They're healthier. They have much higher standard of living than even wealthy people had 50 or more years ago. The gap between the rich and middle class, a big indicator of societal progress, continues to narrow. Many middle class families, including the disproportionately higher percentage of people older than 50, own increasingly larger homes, have two cars, enjoy ample recreation, buy costly furniture and clothes, send their kids to college, earn a good bit of money. Um, the average person's standard of living has risen dramatically, owning vacation homes, going on vacations, restaurant dining, eating out, air travel is more affordable, people are better educated, the air and water are less polluted, healthcare system is better and increasing the working class uh, people, not just the rich, elite, and famous are enjoying luxuries such as overseas trips, cosmetic surgeries, golf course, community living. The point he's trying to make is to say that life is getting better for everybody. And you might say, Ryan, get out of here. It's not improving for everybody. There's a lot of people around the world where things aren't improving. And yeah, that is true. Listen, there's always going to be good. There's always going to be bad. You're never, ever going to be free from unfavorable circumstances. It's always going to exist. But we're not focusing enough on the good. And it was really cool. Bill Gates, a number of years ago, I don't know if it was a number of years ago. This was June 28th of 2018. Bill Gates follows a website. And the website is called ourworldindata.org. And uh, the facts come from Oxford economist Max Rosser. And he put this data on there and it got famous because of Bill Gates sharing it. But uh, three statistics that are very important for people to know to gain a little bit more perspective about, hey, the world is in all doom and gloom. Statistic number one, annual childhood deaths have fallen by more than half since 1960. Each year, 5.6 million children under the age of five die. That's 15,500 deaths per day and 11 deaths of children per minute, according to the data from UN. In the 1950s and 60s, 20 million children were dying every year, according to the same data set. That is a huge improvement. So fewer children are dying before the age of five, and that's increasingly improving, which is good. Obviously, it's good, Ryan. You have to clarify that, dummy. Number two, the average number of children born per woman per year is falling. Now, why is that an interesting statistic? That's an interesting statistic because we're going to talk about this a little later on, but a lot of people, when they think about doom and gloom, they think about overpopulation. People are having less kids today than they did 50 years ago. 
In the last 50 years, the global ferti fertility rate, or the average number of children every woman in the world has, has fallen from 5 to less than 2.5. That means the rate of population growth has gone from 2% a year to just over 1% per year. That's pretty incredible as well. Very interesting. And the last one that Bill Gates shared was more than 100,000 people a day have escaped extreme poverty in recent decades. This one's crazy. Um... Today, 706 million people in the world live in extreme poverty. In 1990, that number was 1.86 billion. That means the number of people living in extreme poverty has fallen to 1 in 10 from 1 in 3. That's incredible onto itself. So there's a lot of positive going on here. There's a lot of positive data going on in the world. A lot of positive change, positive improvement. So again, this gold nugget is perception is not necessarily reality. We've been told that perception is reality. But if we look at the data, there is a lot of good going on out there. Sure, there's a lot of bad. Of course, there is. There's always going to be a lot of bad, but there's a lot of good. And the point that I want you to focus in on here is not so much about the world. It's, it's important to focus on the world, but look at yourself. What is going well in your life? You know, we all want to talk about privilege and, oh, I don't have this and this person has access to this and this resource. Listen, you know, white dude growing up in North America, you know, I hit the jackpot. I hit the jackpot. But the same thing, there's a lot of people who have access to resources that I don't have. And am I privileged? I consider myself extremely lucky, extremely lucky that I've had access to resources that I do, that I was lucky enough to find the right books at the right time. You know, that I was lucky enough to grow up in a family that supported self-improvement. You know, there's so many reasons for me to be lucky and to feel privileged. But if we all look inside, we all have a reason to feel privileged. We all have a reason to appreciate what we have. What do you appreciate in your life? Seriously, sit down and think about it. And you might say, nothing, Ryan. I don't appreciate anything. Listen, if you think that, shut this off. Maybe this podcast isn't for you if that's truly what you believe because everybody has something to be grateful for. I don't care who you are. Dig deep and learn to aggressively appreciate something in your life. Find it. Maybe it's family. Maybe it's the fact that you can walk. The fact that you can see. What if you couldn't walk? What if you couldn't see? What if you couldn't smell? What if you couldn't hear? Something more gr like glib. Glib. I don't think I've used that word very often. Something that's more glib or dark. Glib. Who uses the word glib these days anyways? Anyway, something that's more dark is what if you were dying in a month? What if you knew that you had a month left to live? All of a sudden, you would get immediate perspective, a shot right to the head about, wow, I do have a lot to be grateful for. And there's a lot of stuff that I would miss. And maybe a lot of stuff I didn't pay attention to. It's actually an exercise I put a lot of people through is to... When you get in the car and you're having a bad day, maybe your boss treated you like garbage, your coworkers treated you like garbage, you got a whole bunch of bad news, you get in the car, I want you to sit there and think for a second, hey, what happens if at the end of this car ride, I'm dead? Somebody comes by and they smoke my car. That'll give you immediate perspective. If you truly believe that and you use this exercise to feel it on your body, all of a sudden you're going to feel very different. You're going to start to feel the warmth of the sun for the first time. You're going to... Take a second to smell the fresh air. You're going to look outside and appreciate all the colors around you that maybe you didn't realize before. And you're going to start to realize like, wow, there's a lot of really cool stuff here that I just don't pay attention to or stuff that I overlook that maybe I should be grateful for. 
You might appreciate the people in your life more, the conversations that you've had, maybe the taste of something you just ate. I'm telling you, an, an exercise in learning to appreciate what you have, it's hard for us to do. I understand it's hard for me to do, and I focus on this stuff. If you can do this regularly, find appreciation in the little things, you're going to start to realize that, you know what? My life is actually getting really, really good. But here's something that I found was really interesting in this, was that despite the fact that we have significant material gains and improvements in standards of living for almost everybody in the Western world and you know the developed world for that matter, despite the fact we have so many advancements, we're more unhappy today than we have ever been. Rates of depression are sky high. Right, The amount of dollars that are spent on medications, antidepressants, SSRIs is climbing exponentially. So what's the deal with this? This is the whole point that Greg is trying to raise here is that the fact that we have a lot to be grateful for, the world is improving, your, your, your circumstances are improving, and yet we are more unhappy today than at any point in time. Why is that? And the reason for that is because we always want more. When we get a raise, we're happy with it but then we want more. When we get one car, we're not happy. We might want another car. When we get this piece of clothing, we're happy with this piece of clothing, but we want more. We always want more. And when is it enough? When are you happy with what you have? And the key to happiness is not wanting more. The key to happiness is being appreciative for what you have right now. And while that, again, that might sound cliche, and you're like, come on, Caligari, I knew that already. I knew that. You know it, but are you applying that to your mind? Like, you know that subconsciously, but consciously, are you aware of that? Are you really thinking about that? I'm telling you right now, the guy who talks about this all the time needs to remind himself of that all the time, because I forget. I forget that it's important for me to sit down and be appreciative for what I have. And so this book gives me a really good reminder in the fact that we have more than we could ever need, and yet we continue to feel that our lives are getting worse, because we continue to want more. And... We end up with so many possessions, clothes, shoes, tools, DVDs, DVDs. Does anyone buy DVDs? I know a lot of you still have DVD collections that you're probably going to throw out at some point. But we have so many of these possessions that just sit untouched. We have rooms that we have in our house that we don't go in anymore. You know, like we have stuff that we don't use. We just have so much that ends up in the garbage or we give it away. And for what? We always want more. You know, sometimes we want so much that it becomes really, really silly. And it's this desire to want more that we really got a short circuit. So yes, the golden nugget here, the big takeaway here is that despite the fact the world is getting better, despite the fact that our life is getting better and the circumstances around us are all quite good, we're still extremely unhappy. And why is that? Well, we got to get into gold nugget number two for that one. So let's crack into that one. Golden nugget number two, overfed and overstressed. So it's this obsession with material things. We overspend, we overeat, and we overextend our budgets. You know, our, it's a great quote in the book, and it's in the summary as well. Our homes are full but our souls are empty. Our standards of living rise, but our spirits drop. We suffer a level of sadness today that our grandparents and our grandparents' grandparents would smack us in the face if they knew how good we had it right now. 
They would look at us and shake their heads and say, what are you complaining about? You have no idea how good life is for you. And yet we know this, but yet we still complain. And so there's a few reasons for that. Greg goes into a number of them. Anticipation and induced anxiety. If you constantly look to the future, you risk neglecting to live in the present. Instead of enjoying today, people tend to worry and wonder if tomorrow will be better or worse. They focus so much on working to get ahead, on delaying gratification, that they fail to appreciate the moment and never have the time to enjoy their achievements. So we feel a level of anxiety based on what the future is going to bring to us. I agree with this and I disagree with this. I think anticipation is a good thing. Having something to look forward to is so important. I don't think that's what Greg's getting at here, but that's kind of what I'm getting from it. It's good to work towards something. It's good to want more for yourself. And you know what I'm going to say next, but you have to appreciate what you have. And we say that we say it, but do we mean it? Do you mean it? Chances are not. You're working towards getting that new car. And so you're like, "Ugh, this old rust bucket doesn't have a speck of rust on it, but it's an old rust bucket. I hate this. Or, "Ugh, if only I can make a little bit more money, I can go get the clothes that I want. Well, why don't you appreciate the clothes you have? Cause they're old and I don't like it. It doesn't represent my style anymore. Well, be grateful. You got some clothes, baby. Like, come on. Ugh, if only I could get into a bigger house. Listen, you need that bigger house. You know, but today it's not even about that. It's about like followers online and the amount of likes people get. Like, get out of here. We always want more followers. We want more money. We want more possessions. And it's this drive to get it and this anxiety that we have about it that really starts to spoil our lives and spoil our days. So this anticipation-induced anxiety is something that we really have to control. The next one that uh, I want to talk, talk about, which is very important, depression. Uh, though the research is somewhat subjective on this, the number of people classified as depressed is up dramatically, as we all know this. This is the reason why I created the Resilience Prescription. This is the reason why I shifted the Cut the Crap show from focusing on business books to books about personal development, self-help, positive psychology, neuroscience. It's the reason why I created Create Your Eight. It's the reason why I meet with my friends every single Thursday to talk about brain jiu-jitsu and help improve ourselves. So critical. But there are four reasons um, this one psychologist blames actually four trends for the rise in depression. I find this very interesting. Number one, the focus on individualism. When you focus too much on yourself and things, your life goes wrong. Your entire world seems to fall apart. People need grounding in relationships through family, friends, community, faith. And that is really important. I remember before when I was working with all my clients, none of them were local and I wasn't doing any traveling. I wasn't talking to anybody. I was working by myself and just through email most of the time. Man, did I get down. I started feeling depressed. I was sleeping too late, didn't have any focus. I needed that connection. Johan Hari's book, Lost Connections. I'm actually going to get Johan on the show. He talks all about the importance of connections. We need connection. We need people in our lives. We need something to make us feel a part of a bigger picture. But this focus on individualism is something that is causing people to be a lot or to, to increase depression. And we got to stop living our lives as lone wolves and start joining tribes. We need to get back to the tribe mentality, becoming a part of 
our community, becoming a part of a network with our friends, our colleagues, our coworkers, our family, what have you. Stop living so individually and start living together with others. That's one reason. Number two, the self-esteem craze. This quest makes people feel that something might be wrong with them if they don't feel great about themselves all the time. Life is going to be up and down, people. I'm sorry. Like when you talk about resilience, people say, Ryan, you're so resilient. You must live up all the time. Get the heck out of here. I'm always up and down, baby. I'm always up and down. That doesn't mean that I'm an emotional person or, or my life is going up and down topsy-turvy. Like that's life. You wake up at a five, you know, first thought I think the first action I take puts me up. I'm listening to good music, eating a good meal, you know, working out, working on myself, excited about the day ahead. Oh, I get a bad email about a client that's unhappy. Oh man, that drops me down. That makes me upset. Drops me down to a four. But you know what? I talk to them, I have a good conversation. Hey, I'm back up to a six. Perfect. Awesome. And then uh, all of a sudden I, um, I see something on social media that makes me sad. Oh, it makes me so sad and makes me upset and it drops me down to a three. But don't worry about it. I'll pick myself back up. I'll get to work. I'll make some progress, look towards something. I'm moving back up to a six, baby. Like, hey, I'm feeling good, feeling great. So you're always going to face ups and downs. Some days are going to be hard. Some days are going to be easy. If you're not feeling good, doesn't mean you're depressed. You might not be feeling good for a week in a row, two weeks in a row. Doesn't mean you're depressed, people. Just because your life isn't going good right now doesn't mean it's not going to be, it doesn't mean it's going to stay like that forever. But today we feel like we always need to be feeling good. We always need to get praised. We always need to be feel, uh, uh, we always need to feel appreciated. And if we don't, well, am I worthless? Is life all, is this all there is to life? You know, we become very doom and gloom. We're not very resilient today. And so that's one of the reasons why the psychologist um, believes that we're seeing so much, um, uh, so much, what's the word I'm looking for? Depression today, higher rates of depression. The next one, ooh, this one's a rough one. Caligari, you're going to cover this one. Yeah, let's go. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Everyone is a victim. Many people feel victimized by a lot of things today. Victimized by other people, victimized by their parents, victimized by coworkers, victimized by society. We have this cancel culture. We have this discussion about privilege and everyone's privileged. And ugh, Ryan talking about privilege, white guy growing up in North America. I need to check my privilege because I don't know what my privilege is. I hate that discussion so much. I've read so much about privilege. And whenever I've had a conversation about privilege... I immediately get shut down because people say, oh, white guy, you don't even understand. You can't understand. Oh, the white guy who doesn't even know that he's got privilege. I'm like, come on. Like, really? It just, oh, it's so frustrating. I realize that I'm very lucky. I, I mentioned this already this episode. I know I'm lucky. I know I've been blessed. But I know you've been blessed as well. You got a lot of stuff that you're lucky for. Yes, there's a lot of things that um, we're going to face in our lives. Right. If you are homosexual, you're going to face prejudice. If um, you are black, uh, Hispanic, indigenous, um, you know, you are going to face a number of prejudices that maybe a white guy won't. Probably a white guy won't. There are statistics that, you know, in, um, in America, you have a higher chance of being pulled over if you're black or Hispanic versus white. Yeah, absolutely. But what are you going to do about it? You're going to sit there and you're going to complain. You're going to act as a victim and woe is me and I need this and I need this and this is what the injustice has happened to me. Or 
do you do something about it? Do you become an advocate? Do you become an example of somebody who others can aspire to? Do you change the, the overall perception that they have of you? I'm telling you, I know a ton of indigenous people. And there's a great deal of racism happening against in, uh, indigenous people where I'm from. And uh, it's actually quite tragic. It's unfortunate. And uh, I think it's disgusting in a lot of cases. I really do. But I also know a lot of indigenous people who look at that as a challenge and they say, I love it. Because that means I get to shock the world. And like, brava, brava. Like that's the kind of attitude I want. I want that kind of attitude. And it's an attitude that I've never had to have because I, you know, again, privilege growing up as a white dude in North, in North America, I've had a lot of privileges. Yes. I've had some difficulties in my life, you know, like growing up being a shy kid, I had to learn to speak better, to build my confidence up. Yes. We've all had challenges in our lives. Some of us more than others. I understand that, but that's life. What are you going to do? You're going to sit there and be a victim or are you going to fight for a better life? This psychologist believes the reason why people are depressed is because everyone's a victim and they feel like a victim and they sit with that instead of saying, yeah, you know what? I'm going to be the shining example. I'm going to be better than anyone ever could. Like I said, where I'm from locally, I know a lot of indigenous people who take that as a challenge and they have actually said, good. I'm glad people don't look at indigenous people as successful, driven, entrepreneurial, confident, put together. Because I'm going to show the world what we're made of. And man, I love that challenge. Like it just gets me amped up. It truly does. So what are you going to do about it? You're going to sit there and feel like the victim? Or are you going to do something about it? And I know some people might look at me and say, man, that's a very privileged white guy thing to say. Maybe it is. But maybe. Maybe there's someone out there who needed to hear that message to spark a little flame inside their chest, inside their heart to say, you know what? I'm going to be that change. I'm going to be that person. And it's possible. It's absolutely possible. So in any case, that's number three. And I'm taking forever on these ones. Speed it up, Caligari. The fourth one, runaway consumerism. This generates compulsive shopping, onerous debt, and this can cause a constant low-grade nervousness. This low-grade nervousness is something that I believe so many of us face. I even face um, uh, a level of this low grade nervousness because I'm always trying to improve myself. So this, uh, low grade nervousness ties to consumers and those this constant need to buy stuff and overextend yourself just to pay for the stuff that you believe will make you happy. Then if you have for a little while, the new shoes, the new car, the new clothes, the new purse, whatever it is, the new TV, you're going to realize very quickly that that keeps you happy for eh, just this amount of time. Not really that much. So why invest so much time and money into something that you know is only going to make you happy for a little bit, but then you're going to want more. This constant need for something, need for something, need for something is just something that can't be quelled. It's not, it's, it's this unending thirst, this unending hunger, this bottomless pit that you cannot satisfy. So stop it. Stop trying to satisfy it. You'll never satisfy it. Not until you're happy with yourself first. Find appreciation with what you have. Stop being the victim. Stop believing that life is always designed for you to feel good. 
and stop focusing on just yourself as the lone wolf. Start to connect yourself to another community. And those will absolutely, according to the psychologist, help you become less depressed. I agree to a certain extent with all of that. Of course, the Create Your 8 program is all designed to help battle stress-induced depression by helping you develop your resilience. Some of these methods are absolutely pieces to that overall puzzle. In order to overcome stress-induced depression, it's never one thing. It's not just your diet. It's not just your workout routine. It's not just you know positive psychology. There's a whole assortment of things that need to come together in order for you to really battle depression. But that's a good start there. I really like that. So this whole idea of, oh, there's another one here that they mention about being overfed and overstressed. It's actually an interesting one. This uh, choice anxiety. Since men and women now have so much freedom to make choices about nearly everything, the pressure to make the right choice is very high. If events don't turn out well, people blame themselves for making the wrong choice. That's crazy. If I sat there and thought, oh man, I made the wrong choice. I wish I had done this instead. Paralysis. By analysis, yeah, that's it. Paralysis by analysis. I just sit there and I, I think, I think, I think. I don't want to make the wrong decision. Listen, stop overthinking things. Be confident enough in yourself to fail. I'm confident enough in myself to fail because you know what? If I fail, no big deal. I'll learn a lesson. I'll move ahead. I'll figure it out. That's the kind of confidence you have to have. And so this idea of perfectionism is becoming overwhelming. And we, we strive too much for perfectionism and not enough for productivity. Strive for productivity. Don't worry too much about making the right decision. Make the right decision with all the information you have and be confident enough in your decision to choose it. And if you make a mistake and it doesn't go your way, have the confidence to learn something from it. It's not a setback, it's a setup. This was designed to happen because there's something I don't know yet. I have to learn more. I have to take a step back. I have to figure something out. I have to improve. There's something here I don't know. It's a really important piece of the puzzle here, but this choice anxiety is really important. So again, we're overfed, we're overstressed, and this is absolutely contributing to our levels of unhappiness. And let's just talk for a second about food real quick. The kind of food we put in the body today, it's terrible. Processed, sugar, salt, fat, we're eating too much. I fast on a regular basis. Five-day fast every quarter. I intermittent fast, so time-restricted eating. I follow either a 16-8 regimen or I kind of mix it up every once in a while. 16-8 is usually the regimen that I eat. So I don't eat for 16 hours and I eat in an eight-hour window. When I eat less, I feel better. Skip a meal or two. We're eating way too much food. We're not giving our body an opportunity to rest. We're not giving our body an opportunity to do its own internal cleansing, autophagy. I'll go into that in another discussion. That's a whole other tangent I'm not going to get into. But we're eating too much. We're taking in too many calories as I finish this amazing, beautiful flat white. Grande, flat white, extra hot, delicious. White guy drinking his flat white, of course, this guy, Caligiuri. Anyways, what I really want to come down to here is um, overfed, overstressed. There's reasons why we're stressed, and it comes down to us taking in too much. We always want, 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 and this desire to always want, we need to start to short circuit that. Be happy with what we have. Focus on taking in less food, less garbage food. We're going to feel better about ourselves. It's very high level. We can go into more detail into this in other episodes, or actually I'll go into detail into this into Create Your Eight. But this is just great reminders for us that Greg's raising here. Last golden nugget here. I want to finish this bad boy up. Positive psychology and making the world a better place. How do we battle 
our demons? How do we battle this depression? How do we battle this anxiety that we have? How do we battle this constant stress that we have? Focusing on building our positive psychology. Welcome to the Resilience Prescription. Create your eight, cut the crap show, brain jiu-jitsu. That's why I created this, to help you understand positive psychology. To help you arm your war chest with tools, strategies, new habits that will help you become more resilient, help you more or to become more positive. It's hard. It's hard. It's not looking at the world through rosy colored glasses. A lot of this is action based and requiring you to make changes in your life, requiring you to change the way you think about certain things. None of this stuff is easy, but I'm telling you, if there's any battle, any hill that you're going to climb, that you're going to try to take, it's in the development of your positive psychology. The more you focus on building your positive psychology, the better your life will be. But again, why, why are we not doing that? We're not doing that because our brains are tuned to pay attention to fear. Fear is the thing that has kept us alive for hundreds of thousands of years. So our brains naturally gravitate to that which scares us, that which is negative, that which is fearful, which is the same as scaring us. Nice repeating yourself there. <laughs> when it comes down to it, Positive psychology, developing that positive psychology is probably one of the most important things that you can do in your life. It'll unlock opportunities. It'll help you see the setups from the potential setbacks. It'll help you appreciate what you have today. It pretty much puts a filter on your mind is what the way I always talk about it. Not rosy colored sunglasses. I don't like it. That kind of spits on positive psychology. It makes it seem fluffy. It puts a new filter, a new type of programming in your brain, actually, where instead of looking at things negatively and fear-based and pessimistically, it puts a new program in there, a new filter, a new software, whatever you want to call it. And it helps you see things from a more positive perspective. Now, I know people will say, Ryan, I'm a realist. I don't need to look at things positively or negatively. I'm a realist. I'm sorry. I don't think you can see things realistically. I don't think there's, it's possible to sit in the middle. I can look at the negative but I will always steer myself towards the positive. I will look at something as it is, but I will always try to turn it into a positive, the realistic optimist. So if you think about a line, on one end of the line, you have the pessimistic, somebody who's more negative. In the middle, you have the realist, and on the other end, you have the optimist, somebody who might be delusional. I want you to be between the realist and optimist. I want you to be the realistic optimist. And the way to get there is by developing your positive psychology, by listening to this show. That's how you're going to do it. The last one, make the world a better place. This one's so cool. I love this. It comes from one of the modules in Create Your Eight, and it's how you develop yourself. When you focus on developing yourself, becoming the best version of yourself, that is when you can start to make the world a better place and give to others. But how can you give to others if your cup is always empty? If your cup is always empty, you're not going to want to give. You're not going to want to share your water because you're going to look at your cup and say, eh, my cup's kind of empty. Half empty cup, half empty glass. I'm not going to share this water because I want this water all myself. But if that cup is full and overflowing, you have no problem sharing it with others. So what do I mean by that? If you think about Maslow's motivation model, now we're digging deep into more psych psychology here, organizational behavior, what have you. But it's actually in the Create Your modules. And I'll do an episode about this at some point, I'm sure. But Maslow's motivation model. He has the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but he has a more updated version, the motivation model. At the base, you have physiological needs. And the physiological needs are things like air, shelter, food, water, the basic needs. Once those needs are taken care of, 
you're going to look to satisfy the next need, which is safety needs, right? Freedom from fear, um, feeling a sense of safety in your life, obviously safety needs. From there, you're going to move up to love and belonging, feeling like you, belo you, you belong to a community, uh, feeling loved, appreciated. Then you move up to esteem needs, right? Feeling good about yourself, having this sense, this sense of confidence, um, getting uh, positive feedback, for example, helps to feed self-esteem, uh, your esteem needs. From there, you move up to uh, your cognitive needs, learning new information, feeling uh, a sense of uh, self-improvement, investing in yourself. From there, you have your aesthetic needs, looking good, appreciating things like beauty, nature, um, looking at how your office is laid out, the aesthetic needs around you. It, it's, it's very deep and there's a lot of things you can look at from there. From there, self-actualization is achieved, becoming the best version of yourself. Now, where Maslow's hierarchy of needs used to end there, it doesn't end there anymore. Now it goes to transcendence. And transcendence is a funny word that everyone has a different definition for or a different perspective on or a view on. Transcendence to me is going from me, me, me to we. Self-actualization is focused solely on me and trying to focus on becoming the best version of myself. When I can become the best version of myself, it's only at that point that I can now focus on giving to others. Now, that's not to say that's not not to say that you have to take care of yourself first in order to give to others. Not at all. You might be struggling with certain areas on that pyramid, such as love and belonging. Um, you might have lost your job, but you still give to others. I think that's amazing. I think that's really important to do. But according to Maslow's motivation model, when you truly hit self-actualization, you will be in a better position to give to the rest of the world. You will look beyond yourself. And I know that transcendence is not just that. Transcendence is looking beyond yourself to say that, wow, I'm just a small piece of this puzzle. There's so much going on out there. I think it's important for us to hit at any point in time. I think we all need to realize that. But it's tough for us to get there if we're struggling to find a fix to our relationship, if we're struggling to pay the bills, if um, we have a lot of stress going on at work and we feel that we might lose our job, our safety needs get compromised. If those are causing us fear, if those are causing us pain, we're going to give more attention to that than we do to give to others. So I truly believe in that. So in this last piece here, Greg's making a real big pitch to us to say, when you focus on becoming the best version of yourself, when you're happy, when you feel grateful, when you appreciate what you have at that point, then you will give to the world. And I love this because as part of this book, he goes in and he talks about how you can give to others and the 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 challenges the world has and only when you become happy with yourself can you start to make change in your community in your world that's why i love when people are willing to give back to their communities it's a beautiful thing but we can never do that if we're so self-focused if we're focused on ourselves, it's all about me 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 you know seth golden says you know i don't want email i want me mail eh, kind of funny play on words there but the key to happiness is not in always focusing on yourself. It's in focusing on others, making the world a better place. When I think about purpose, purpose is a big thing to figure out. And when I challenge all my clients in Create Your Eight to come up with their purpose, I know that we don't nail it on the first try. But I want them to start thinking about purpose. And when we're done, your purpose always ties back to giving, to building something else, to improving something else to contributing to somebody else bigger than yourself. Purpose always ties back to that. And that's a really important point here that I'm glad Greg raised. 
But in any case, that is Greg, forgot his last name, Easterbrook. My man, Greg Easterbrook. The progress paradox, how life gets better while people feel worse. The glass is not always half empty. The glass is half full. My glass is even half full. It's a quarter a quarter empty. But hey, I'm telling you, it's my, my glass is uh, a quarter full. Anyways, you're being dumb now, Ryan. Get out of here. You're wasting people's time. So this podcast gave me a great opportunity to talk about something that is obviously very important to me. Perspective. Focusing on changing that perspective. Aggressive appreciation. Focusing on giving to others. Focusing on changing what you focus your attention on. And maybe, maybe, just maybe this struck a chord with you, with maybe somebody else, please share this episode with somebody that you feel may need it or just share it on your social networks. Maybe someone's going to catch it and they're going to need this, uh, this kind of positive stimulus in their life and it could act as a catalyst to help change their lives. All it takes is just a moment to share it and I don't do this for my own benefit. Like, quite frankly, it doesn't really matter to me. Like, I know this show's going to grow. It's going to continue to grow. Um, I appreciate everybody who's been along the ride with me who's continued to grow this show. But to me, it has nothing to do with the show anymore. When I first started this, I was just, I wanted to grow the show. I want to get the numbers more. But the cool thing is when I receive messages from people who have listened to the show and tell me how their relationships have improved, their life has improved. They made decisions that they wouldn't have made um, until they heard the podcast and now they made a better decision for their life. And that to me is everything. So it's about impact now. It truly is about impact, and I don't give a damn about the numbers. The numbers could drop off tomorrow. Not one person could listen to this podcast, and I will still do this podcast and absolutely love doing it because somebody's going to hear it out there, and it's going to improve their lives. So maybe you can be that person who shares it every week or shares an episode or takes something from this and tells a friend, a family member, and it could drive change in their lives that could send a ripple effect in your family, your workplace, your community. So do your part. Be a beacon of resilience be a beacon of positivity and share the good word. But in any case, if you want this summary and you can get this summary on get abstract, go to getab.li slash RRX and activate your three day trial of get abstract. And uh, if you've already used your free trial, then maybe consider signing up, sign up for a subscription. Um, I will also share the, um, the uh, summary for other future books that may come up. And uh, we got a doorbell ringing. Let me see what we got here. Hold on a second. We got a live thing here. What do we got? How dare that mailman interrupt me? A little bit of fan mail. Should I open it up? I'm scared to open it up. I'll open it up later on. I should do that, eh? I should do a fan mail episode where I just uh, open up fan mail that comes to me. Because I get some really cool stuff that people send. But in any case... Let's wrap this thing up. We are going overtime here. Everybody, thank you so much again for joining me on today's episode of the Cut the Crap Show as part of the Resilience Prescription. I hope there was something in here that you could use, something here that maybe sparked some uh, interest in uh, learning more about positive psychology, more about resilience, more about Create Your Eight. But just stay tuned to the show and uh, just dedicate yourself to learning more about yourself, about positive psychology, and about resilience. And um, I believe, I truly do believe this, that your world, your life, will become far happier, far greater. And I think that's a, a part of why Greg wrote this book in the first place as well. But in any case, I hope you have a fantastic, inspired, productive day today or whenever it is you listen to this. I'll catch you back here tomorrow on The Resilience Prescription. Make it a great day, everybody. Take care. 
Step into my circle with the opposite of Urkel. When I pull up flying purple, people eaters couldn't bite me. I feel the fate of Herschel. And I just leave them on the limb and hand them my business. His rappers are walking that I already killed them. Skin blanco, lyrical weapon kicking like.